0: Welcome to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk You can also join us every Sunday morning at 10.30am at Mosley Pavilion. Now for the message. So, yesterday we were out uh, with Kingdom Streets, and we're starting to raise the profile of it a little bit. Um, there were six of us, um, Mark Gordon heads it up, and we were out just in the New musley area, just, just chatting with some people, asking some questions in a survey, and it never feels to be surprising, isn't that right, Stuart? Um, it was a great morning. If it's something that you would strikes a chord with you and you think, I'd like to get in on that. If you'd like to have a chat with Mark, he's sauntering across the back there with his thumbs up. Um, So if you want to have a chat to him about that, but please keep reaching high on your agenda and don't underestimate the amount of times that it may take to say to somebody, come to church, you want to come with me? Um, Or small groups. small, Small groups are awkward for people who don't know us. Is that correct? walking into somebody else's house, small group of people, but what we promise is that we'll do our very best to make it as uh, less awkward as it can be. There's always going to be an element of, oh, I've never done this before, so let's demystify that a bit for people, Um, and if it takes going to get them to bring them to be with us, then it's surely worth doing that. And then tonight, to comment a little about the membership class, whenever you come tonight, you're not obligated to become a member, but it would be really great if you did. We want to give you all of the information as to who we are and what we're about so you can make a decision as to whether uh, this actually is your spiritual home. Now, if God has said to you and made indication, this is your home, then you don't want to be really deciding for yourself, well, I don't know, is it my home? Yeah, I want, either want to go, okay, God, and we're going to do it. Where else go, la, 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 and see how long that works for. But it's on tonight, and it's going to give you lots of information about who we are and what we're about. Okay, are we ready to go back into Nehemiah? Do you remember a little bit of what we've gone through before? Yeah, no. Okay, let's, let's do a short summary. So to give you a little bit of information, Nehemiah is a story of how God leads a leader, how the leader leads himself, and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore. Nehemiah 2:13 the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down and its gates which have been destroyed by fire okay so it wasn't in a good way and Nehemiah's rise when there's a need for rebuilding and restoration God raises up types of leaders at specific times to do specific jobs Ephesians 4:11 to 13 so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists The pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And you may not like it, but that's how he does it. And I have to say, when you yield yourself to the process, there is fruit. For those of you who have yielded, is there fruit? Yeah, it can be awkward. You can be like, I don't even like the person that's leading me. Well, they're who God has called to lead you on. And actually, part of the difficulty and the tension doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. It can mean that something's happening. So through Nehemiah, God empowered the people to rebuild and restore what was theirs to rebuild and restore. So the Nehemiah, the leader, isn't necessarily the only builder. In fact, I don't think the Nehemiah is ever the only builder. Nehemiah leads the people and builds alongside them as they build up their portion of the wall. So you want to be asking the question, okay, God, what part have I got to build? Because we're not about a spectator sport, okay? If you're here, then you're going to be involved in the process. This is about an army that does its bit, and the army only functions correctly and totally when everybody, whenever everyone is playing their part. So Nehemiah led them to build and protect He led them to rebuild what needed to be restored to protect themselves from the attack of the enemy so that they wouldn't get discouraged and so that they would complete their mission and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the last time we were talking, we looked at the space between the seasons of preparation. Do you remember? It all started in the months of Chislev and then Nehemiah went to preach the king that he was serving in the month of Nisan. And there was a whole four months in between, four months of hiddenness. And typically I made the comment that we don't really value preparation, we just want to get to this bit. So it's like, I just, oh, oh I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And God always goes, just wait. I think the Apostle Paul was knocked off his horse and there was a 13-year period until he arrived as the Apostle Paul. The degree of the training indicates the extent of the calling. And most of us buck off The trailing. I don't want this. I don't want hiddenness. I want exposure. Well, what does that tell you? By the time that you arrive at the place where it's time for God to lift His hand off you, and do you not think that He wants to put you there and go, look, everyone, look, look who they are now? Do you not think that that's what He wants? Do you think He just wants to keep you? You sit down there and you shut up. You stay in the shadows. All right, nobody needs to see you. Does that sound like you're good? So any time that he hides you, he's, it's like a diamond and he's, he's buffing you up and maybe dealing with a little area here and sorting this out so that you can shine. So that you can shine. And just because you don't see anything happening doesn't mean that it isn't. And I'm a gardener. For those gardeners out there, you get that. You put the seeds in the ground and they start to pop up. So I was uh, sitting in work one day and I was eating an orange and I saw this orange seed and I thought, well, maybe I'll just plant that orange seed. That not exciting to anybody else, no. And I, I chipped off a wee bit of the top of the seed and I stuck it in a plastic cup with paper. You know the blue roll that you get in work? It just, it's, it's just a symbol of work. You see blue roll and you're like, ah, oh, back to work again. Anyway, I got some of the blue roll. I stuck it in my drawer. It's typically warm in there. I thought, well, an, o- an orange might actually germinate. Never had it happen before. And lo and behold, the orange has germinated. Four of them, yes. Uh My wife does not believe me. For those of you on podcasts, not that you're up there, but my wife does not believe me. Four orange seeds have germinated, right? The officer going, what is this? Oh my, really? What will... Will you get oranges? I said, well, that's kind of the point of an orange seed. But like, well, what if you don't get oranges? I said, well, I just enjoy growing them. Really? And they're all like, let me see. And now they have like, they're starting to open a little bit like this. And I'm showing them all. And they're like, oh, that's class. I didn't think that was possible. (laughs) Didn't think it was possible. Didn't think it was possible. So just because there's a season of preparation... And just because you plant a seed in, surely you plant a seed in because you have faith and hope that one day it's going to be more than just a seed. is that correct? So what we know in the physical and this whole separation that we have between secular and sacred, God wants to blur the boundaries of that so that you can look at your life going, okay, so what do we learn in nature about him? Because if the heavens tell the glory of God, then he's already written a narrative as to who he is in creation. One time, Andrew was testing my eyes. I said, jeepers, it looks like branches of a tree when you see the back of the retina. Andrew said, same creator. You look at the arterial structure in a lung, looks like a tree, same creator. He's present everywhere. You just have to look for him. Seasons of preparation and hiddenness determine the quality of our performance when the time comes. And God has a specific schedule of training and preparation for each of us. We can make it longer by going, I don't like this, this isn't fun, or we can go, all right then. The more that you go, all right then, it goes faster, and you get to maturity quicker, and you glean the lessons that you need to learn. Have any of you gone the hard way? I have. It's not much fun. It hurts a lot. The people around me don't like me very much. They like it a lot better when I just go, all right, God. Nehemiah developed his relationship with God in that time. It was intense and it was intentional. And whenever you look into the rest of the story, it was the preparation time that meant that he could do what he needed to do. As he says, So I went to the presence of the king. I'd never been sad before the presence of the king and I was overwhelmed with fear. If you do not know who your God is, fear will simply overwhelm you full stop. And you'll walk into the king going, Hi, king, how are you today? Instead of going, I could die, but I've got to do this. So, the, to the degree that you yield to the preparation, it's going to be the degree that you're going to be able to accomplish what you're called to accomplish. It's not sexy. It's not. It's like Hollywood would give you the idea of relationships, that it's all ah, it's blooming awkward sometimes. I sat beside Claire and went, you don't really talk a whole heap, do you? Right? (laughs) Do you want some uh, cornflakes, love? Isn't it? Isn't it awkward? Yeah, it's life. So equally with God, there's bits about it that we really don't like, aren't very attractive, but they're necessary. So if we yield ourselves, we'll find that there's fruit on the tree of our life. We exercise faith when we yield ourselves to the process of the process. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And because Nehemiah went to God in the space between, he knew who his God was and he was able to be courageous in the presence of fear. If you're thinking that somehow maturity looks like you're not afraid... It may do at times, but often it's just feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And my experience is sometimes I'm physically shaking by the things that I'm called to do. I don't want to do it. I don't enjoy it. But what I find is that as I go, okay, God, you've said that you're enough. As I do that, then he's enough. And my fear gets swallowed up in the fact that I'm walking in what I'm supposed to do. So if you've got something that you need to do, and I think this could be pinpoint for someone, if you've got something that you need to do and you're hesitating and stopping because you're scared, what am I going to tell you? Do it anyway. (laughs) I don't like heights. And one time I threw myself off the top of the highest diving board and it was not pretty. (laughs) It was like this. Ah! Whoosh! Oh! I was like, man, that was just, that was just rough. And the spirit said, "But you did it. It's not going to be perfect, is it? Ever? Is the how we think perfects going to be? Just throw yourself off. All right. Okay. Today we're going to talk about inspection." And uh, as I, Claire came in this morning and said, what were we talking about today? And I said, inspection. She went, oh, 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 most of, most of the people that come to our church are teachers. Oh, you're going to have to unpack to them that the word inspection isn't the worst thing in the world. So to those of you who are teachers, I say the word inspection and you go, oh, oh, oh. Oh. I don't really, I get it a little bit because Claire's a teacher now, and I get it a little bit because talking to other husbands of those who've been teachers for a long time, and they're like, when the inspection comes, you've got to get yourself in this particular mindset, okay? And you're going to want to kill her, but just don't, but just don't do that, okay? Because she's really, really struggling, all right? Yeah. You're the man you are today because of Hillary's inspections. So, part of this is going to have to be, I mean, maybe for most of us, when we talk about inspection, it's scrutiny, and it's like, oh, I don't like, is this like a test thing? Oh, oh, this doesn't seem fun. And when we go to talk about what he was actually inspecting, you might go, oh, so, oh, is God just like, oh, going to point, oh, 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 oh. Remember, he loves you, okay? For us to be able to do anything that God's asking us to do, you can, they're all looking at you like, why are they wetting themselves? I don't really know either, all right? and. Um, You've got to be able to reconcile that He loves you, okay? If you do not settle that, then you're going to struggle with every bit of what He asks you to do. You've got to square it away. If you don't square it away, you're going to feel under scrutiny, you're going to embrace accusation, and you're going to do the whole self-worth issue. I'm not enough. I'm not enough for God. God's never satisfied with me. If you settle that He loves you perfectly, completely, never going to change, then you can... Hear what he says to you in the heart that he says it to you without the enemy twisting it, telling you that God's intentions are somehow strange and not good, and you'll be able to embrace when you accept his love that he's he's doing what he has to do. So let me read this to you. You can follow along with me if you want to. Nehemiah 2, 13 to 16. So by night, this is Nehemiah saying this, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. Now, the mount, when you look into the word, just means a beast. So it could have been like cattle, or it could have been a donkey, or it could have been a horse. It, doesn't, it isn't specific here. So I went up to the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate, The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. So Nehemiah went through a gate in Jerusalem to inspect and to examine the walls closely. He had to go through a gate to be able to examine the wall that had been broken down. So he went through the gate to get perspective. And this was an important point in the part of the process of rebuilding the walls. Now, I'm going to unpack this a little bit, but often when we talk about, say, rebuilding the walls, we don't view things like uh, the journey to Jerusalem or before that when he had to ask the king for all the the materials that he needed or actually arriving in Jerusalem or inspecting the walls. We don't see that as part of the process. What we see the process is they were all there rebuilding the wall. And what I want to reorientate us to is that God is in the fine detail of the process of the process. He went through the valley gate. There are no coincidences in Scripture, so let's pull out a little bit what the valley gate actually was. So he went through the valley gate at night, which is in hiddenness, to inspect What's that about? You think that he would go in the full daylight because he'd be able to see everything a little bit more clearly? Have you discovered that God doesn't do things the way that you thought he might? So you're going to have to flip all of this stuff around. So in the darkness, in hiddenness, he went through the valley gate to inspect what God had called him to do. That from a soul point of view and our own understanding, that is insanity. So your soul can't cut this. All the best of that. So he went to gain perspective to allow him to examine what was broken down so that he might rebuild it. The valley gate took you to the valley of Hinnom. Now the valley of Hinnom is a place where they slaughtered children. Towards the jackal well. The jackal well was a natural spring and there were jackals there because they consumed the bodies of those that had been slaughtered you like this yet? It's, it's gross, isn't it? And then the dung gate. Well, that was where they took all the excrement and it was where the rubbish was taken to be burned. And it's also when Jesus pointed, do you remember he mentioned Gehenna? That was the parallel with hell. <laughs> so through the valley gate to the valley where children had been sacrificed and slaughtered, Then past the jackal well or beyond the jackal well, which is where the jackals were that consumed the bodies that had been killed. And then to the dung gate where the excrement was taken out and the rubbish dump was. Nehemiah was prepared to go through gates leading to difficulty in order to get the necessary perspective to facilitate his calling. Leading the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And he did it all in hiddenness. We've got to be prepared to do the same. Are you prepared to do the same? Oh, yuck, Colin. Really? Tell us about Jesus' light and life and la, 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 la. Let me read that again. Nehemiah was prepared to go through gates leading to difficulty in order to get the necessary perspective to facilitate his calling, leading the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And he did it all in hiddenness. This process requires humility, and true humility is simply recognizing and agreeing with reality. And reality is seeing things as God sees them. And God does not dwell in fantasy. He dwells in reality. Sometimes we have a totally negative perspective, which maybe it's easier to identify with. Other times we have this false positive thing, which is everything's falling down around us. We go, oh, sure. Oh, sure, God's good, and it's all going to be wonderful. And the Spirit's going, that's not not reality. Yes, he's good. But this this situation is horrendous. So to be able to go where we need to go, we're going to have to square up to reality as it actually is. God dwells in reality, not in fantasy. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Have you found yet that when you agree with him and go, that is right about me, whether it's the good stuff or the stuff that's more difficult, that there's grace present? Because you're not living in La La Land. By the way, Claire and I watched La La Land. It was one of the most horrific films that we've ever seen, wasn't it? We said afterwards, I left the living room declare going, I will never get those two hours of my life ever back again. What the awful film. Could they not have done a better ending? That was terrible. Nobody wants to live in la-la land. Well, that kind of made it awful for me. The word for humble is tepenos, which means lowly or humble, means being God-reliant rather than self-reliant, which 1 Peter 5, 6 reveals that ironically, that's always the way that you get exalted. So this is a journey of humility, folks. And I don't like it any more than you do. And part of what I'm saying as I prepared this, I was like, oh my goodness. You want to rebuild the walls? Then let's step into reality. The process of the process. We often disregard what's important because we miss the process of the process. I've been writing this manual in work. My job's a purchasing assistant, and I'm delighted to say it's now 48 pages long. It even has its own content section. I know, thank you. And as I've been going through, what I've realized is that whenever you first start doing a manual, that you should be able to hand say to Andrew who's never done the job. He's able to follow it step by step, and he can do it. What you find is as you start to inspect what you do, there's a lot more to the process than you first thought. You make a lot of assumptions, That somebody knows what a computer is, which they probably do. That they know to hit the function key when you know to hit the function key. Where that part of the tab is or how to close it down. All of that simple stuff. And as you look at the details of what you do, you begin to appreciate and start to articulate the process of doing the job that you do. They're the little bits of gold. So part of the reason why we're looking at this this morning and have looked in such detail at Nehemiah is the process of the process are where the little bits of gold are. Before I did the job that I now do, I had to spend a year in the shop, and I didn't enjoy that very much in uh, Titanic and Belfast, and then I moved to be in the office, which I really enjoy my job now. The shop bit was an incredibly uh, important part of the process. If you'd asked me, I would have gone straight to that job. But I didn't ask me, I just followed God. God. So he took me. Do you remember one time I was telling you about to get to my work? You have to go to the right when the building's on your left. You have to go up when you think you should go down. And you go left when you think you should go right. So if you're going to follow God, you've got to follow him in the process of the process and then not decide that that wasn't God because it didn't arrive at the particular outcome that you thought it was going to have. Your soul man is going to kick your ass Has he kicked it several times already? Your spirit knows who God is and the right ways that you should go. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That excludes no one who knows him. But to be able to go on this journey, you're going to have to embrace the process of the process. And sometimes the process looks like applying for something that you don't get or something doesn't work out or something gets destroyed in the process that you didn't know actually had to cease existing. And God desires to continually add to us and never more than through the gates of difficulty to show us what needs rebuilt and restored. So we've got to understand God's ways. We've got to think differently if we're to understand what God's up to. If we don't, we'll embrace difficulty as a destination rather than realizing that it's the tools for the task. So I'm going to ask you the question I think I'm going to ask you. Where have you embraced difficulty as a destination? Where have you gone through difficult gates in your life and you've come to the conclusion with a little help from some critters from hell to the conclusion that God really doesn't love you and that really this is just the way it is and you just better suck it up because that's life. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, for my thoughts aren't your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. I've read these so many times and I hope that it's really starting to go in. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the darkest... Well, let me try that again. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you're with me and your rod and your staff comfort me. And then Romans 12 too, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to discern and understand and see God's pleasing and perfect will. It's in the valley that the enemy seeks to tell us a different story than the Lord does, okay? So whenever, if you're going to go through a valley, to a valley that's like, I mean, that valley that I described, the Valley of Hinnon, is that attractive to anybody? And if it was, you've got serious issues. Yeah? The Jackal Well, where I mean, that's, that's horrific. Down to the Dung Gate, that's... You're going to go in those places, those places are going to start to try and influence you. So for you to be able to go into those places, you're going to have to realize that your influence has got to come from a whole other place. So who have you been listening to in the valleys of difficulty and the difficult gates that you've had to go through? Is it the voice that tells you you've been brought to difficulty as punishment? Is it the voice that tells you that these circumstances will slaughter you, they'll consume your life because you're trash and you belong in the rubbish pile? The valley of slaughter where jackals consume the bodies, where dung, crap, rubbish is disposed of, John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit, Proverbs 15.4. Or will you see it as the opportunity that it actually is? an opportunity to inspect the damage done so that the restoration project can begin and will result in what's been stolen being restored in greater quantity and quality than we ever dreamed possible. Do you think that this good God that I'm telling you about would drag you to the place of such oppression and affliction and difficulty to leave you there? Or would he take you there for you to inspect so that this battle that you're about to fight, you walk into it going, there's going to be spoils from this war in the year of dominion, where we step up and put our foot down, in the year of sweetness and completeness, where we taste and see that the Lord's good, and the year of rebuilding and restoration. So if you're in a place of difficulty, you've got a choice, right? Always two trees in the garden. One is this sucks, it's awful, it's not going to get any better, so I better make the best of it. The other is it sucks and it's awful, but this is on to something. Life, and life in all its fullness. God takes you there to reveal more of himself to you. In Psalm 23, 3, his rod and his staff, which are his protection and his authority. And also he takes you there to give you life. John 10, b Jesus came to give us life and life in all its fullness. God is so much better than you or I ever can imagine him to be. Have you found that even a little bit? He's really, really, really good. And you need to know how good he is. And if you don't know how good he is, why don't you say to him, I want to taste and see that you're good. I think it's Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If you haven't seen that, you've said that you're good. Nathan, could I get you guys to come up? So here's the principle of the fruit of a matter. This is. Um, let me see. I haven't got the verse line in there. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by by their fruits you will know them. Nehemiah uh, goes out to these horrible places to inspect the wall and what's the fruit of his inspection? Is it discouragement and despair and he just lies down there and goes I can't do this, this is beyond me and I, the history of this place is offensive. Is that where it goes? What happens? This is one of the crowd participation moments. What happens? Restoration, vision. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, Let us start rebuilding. We are called to live our life on biblical principles. We are called to go into difficult places. Why are we called to go into them? Because we can. Nehemiah's process of inspection took him through difficult, unpleasant places to inspect the damage had been done. And they got the job done. Can we do it? You're not so sure about that. Can we do it? No, I get that some of this is scary, and hopefully we're going to deal with that, because we're not wanting to do the false positive. If you're sitting there and you're like, huh, you t- what, what? I'm going to go through gates of difficulty, and you're like, no, thank you. Let's be honest about that. If you're like, I'd really like to, but I'm really, really scared. Okay, let's be honest about that. If you're sitting there going, no, I know, and we can get this done then let's be honest about that too. We're not here for you all to tell me sweet little lies so that I think, oh, isn't this, oh, look, isn't that wonderful? And to be honest, the spiral indicate very clearly that it's a whole facade. Shall we be real about where we are this morning? Would you like to stand with me? <laughs> You're thinking, I don't know whether actually, nope. do <laughs> So some questions to help you to respond. And I really hope this morning you, Appreciate the practicality of them and that somehow you can identify with one of them and we can let you be that bit freer after ministry this morning. Do you want to partner with God as He leads you into the call in your life? Are you fearful of the journey that God might take you on? And then finally, have you been listening to the wrong voices in the places of difficulty? If you can answer yes to any of these questions, or you just want ministry this morning, then please come and join me now at the final. You've been listening to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information on our church, you can find us on the web on www. Destination Church Thank you for listening.